special shout out to my yellow vesters, wherever you may be. Your hard work and dedication and ambition has not been overlooked. Welcome everybody to the Storm Is Here podcast. And I also want to send out a special shout out to my good friend Robert Walton from the Liberty Needs No Rulers podcast. We both share the same platform. Uh, we uh, wanted to do a show. We tried uh, and due to technical failures, was not able, weren't able to produce the show. So we will have something in the near future. And we're even thinking about doing a once a week podcast where both platforms get together and talk about ongoing issues. Anyways, uh, so tonight's podcast, we're going to focus on what a lot of people have been talking about just recently, something that's happened many times before in history. We're talking about the housing bubble that's uh, ready to, to pop. And we're going to go over a few news articles about it. Um, but there are a few people out there that, uh, that don't know or don't know what's involved in a, in a housing bubble. They don't know the different phases um, of a housing bubble. And, and uh, this one article that I want to read to you, we're going to start off the podcast with is It's from the Spark Rental. And uh, it's written by G. Brian Davis. And in this article here, it gives you, it's, it's more of an educational piece of anything else. And it describes the different phases of it. So we'll get into that. The title is Housing Crash 2022. Is there a housing bubble in the U.S.? Let's continue on here. So everybody remembers the crash and Great Re- Recession. I was about to say Great Reset, but the Great Recession of 2008. I mean, Many of us, uh, it's still fresh in their memory. And, you know, it happened. It was uh, it was damaging, a lot of collateral damage. And this is, a, this is an actual fact. People in the United States still have not recovered from this uh, financial crash of 2008. So, again, we've seen this happen before, but somehow, some way, we allow it to happen again. And for obvious reasons, a lot of money profit-driven. It's a capitalist society. You know, capitalism is all about money. Profits first before anything else, okay? Humanity, for some reason, takes a uh, back seat. But let's continue on here. Uh, of course, the Great Recession in 2008 represented the second largest recession we lived through, junior only to the Great Depression, which, of course, happened in the 30s. Given that a real estate bubble largely caused it, many Americans worry about Housing crash 2022. Home prices skyrocketed 19.9% from the end of January 2021 to the same time in 2022. Frothy looking numbers and raising concerns about a housing bubble in the U.S. And here's what the data shows about whether we're experiencing a real estate boom or bubble and exactly how housing bubbles work. Booms are created by shortages and low interest rates. This is what fuels a boom. And again, you get a, our whole economy is based on boom busts. That's how it works. And only a very few benefit from both ends. Okay, we, we all know who those are. You know, the, the Bezos, the elites. Um, anyways, so let's get into, let's get further into the article. Now, the question is, what is a housing bubble? And this is really important for people that don't know what's involved. 
To better understand if there's a real estate bubble, we need to first understand what exactly a housing bubble is. A housing bubble forms when home prices rise higher than the market's fundamentals can justify. Fueled by speculation rather than inherent demand for housing, these artificially high property values prove unsustainable over time. Now imagine if you, if you may, a neighborhood that appreciates steadily for eight years in a row. Speculators uh, notice and begin offering a premium for those homes greater than their market value. Increase, and we're, we'll talk about these speculators in another article. This is really, really frightening, by the way. We'll get into that a little bit later. Speculators notice and begin offering a premium for those homes greater than their market value. Increasing demand and in turn, homeowners begin selling at inflated prices because of the increased demand. But since there are limited homes, supply is stagnant, lending or sorry, leading to increased home prices or housing prices. At a certain point, demand dries up because no buyers are willing to pay the inflated prices. The artificially high prices come crashing down, thus causing the bubble to pop. Sure, there are other factors that can contribute to a housing bubble but this general outline offers an idea of what a housing bubble is. So let's get into phase one, properties in demand. Starts with a market where people actually want to live. The housing demand is real, causes prices to rise faster than the surrounding areas. Uh, that begins to attract both speculative investors and home buyers reaching beyond their comfortable price range. And of course, the speculative investors always overprice. So they pr pretty much squeeze out the family owner uh, or the homeowner or the home buyers that basically want to use the house to actually live in. So move on to phase two, expectations of appreciation. In the second phase, excitement and high expectations begins spilling into the decision-making process. Buyers assume that prices will continue appreciating at the current faster than average rate. That assumption of future growth rather than market fundamentals like local incomes fuels higher pricing. So the sense of uh, a buying frenzy spurs developers to build even more supply as well. But it takes time to build homes and apartment buildings often measured in years, which means developers fall behind the market fundamentals. Now, again, let's talk about this develop developing thing. Okay, developers come they destroy land that could be used for for legit reasons like you know crops farming and, and so forth and they rip it apart destroy it and they put up condos again they don't realize that we live on a finite um a finite planet and there's got to be balance so right now we're pushing at i don't know close to seven mil or maybe even close to eight billion people on the planet i really do think that we are, you know, we're really pushing the ecosystems um, into collapse. But again, this system, this economic system, whatever you want to call it, capitalism, free market, I don't care. It's all based on profit and profit over everything else. And these are fundamental things that need to be changed if we're going to save this planet. And I'm not talking about climate change, okay? The, the planet is being destroyed and we're not doing a very good job of taking care of it all right let's move on to phase three inflated purchase price 
when demand starts becoming fueled by the expectation of price increases rather than by local residents' desire to move in and their ability to afford it, home prices start inflating artificially. Some buyers reach beyond their comfortable budget aided by low down payment loan programs and loose income requirements. As was the case in 2008, if you remember back in 2000 and I, I, I could be 2006, 2007, I, I can't remember when, but George Bush made a new law where um, he wanted home buying to be affordable or, or easier. So he basically eased the restrictions on home buying. So basically a lot more people can, can purchase a, a home. And of course, that's a, um, a speculator's uh, dream come true. And it's another way of them inflating the house prices. And of course, because they're low down payment loan programs, these people couldn't probably afford the house to begin with. And of course, one thing led, uh, led to another. And you know we all know what happened on that very eventful day. Okay, let me continue on here. And if it works, and it works, these loan, these low down payment loan programs work for a little while. And it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy, a feedback loop higher uh, of higher prices fueling more demand with the expectations of further appreciation. And of course, it doesn't last. Phase four, the bubble bursts. Once home buyers and speculators realize it costs more to live in the neighborhood or city than it actually, it's actually worth, demand begins to dry up. Prices stagnate briefly, and then when sellers can't find a buyer, they lower their prices. It happens slowly at first, but once it becomes clear that there's no demand at current pricing, demand falls even further. Some homeowners end up underwater on their mortgages as prices fall. They start defaulting on their loans. A wave of lower cost foreclosures hit the market, driving prices even lower. Investors don't want to touch the area and homeowners won't either until prices drop enough for them to feel like they're scoring a deal, which eventually happens. Prices go so low that the neighborhood becomes attractively priced again. And of course, the cycle starts anew. And this is what this is. Boom, bust. Okay. The booms are, are, um, are increased or, or sorry, the booms are created artificially. Um, so that again, that very few can make money on the boom part and they can also make money on the bus part so uh, there's money to be made but it's just not for the majority of us all right let me continue on to the next article and this is out of the jacobin and this uh we're focusing on canada which is of course my my native land this is by jacobin like like i mentioned written by john clark and of course the um title is when Canada's housing bubble pops it will cause misery and ruin the price of Canadian homes has increased faster than those of any other member of the OECD rising interest rates now threaten to bring the market crashing down destroying the lives of millions in the process as recently as 10 years ago property speculators there's that word again were a minority amongst Ontario home buyers Investors now surpass first-time buyers as well as the total number of people moving between homes. Now, keep in mind that uh, first-time buyers are becoming a thing of the past. Only because of the inflated house prices 
a lot of the millennials or, or younger generations are not able to ever buy a home. And, you know, again, this, this is what our countries were built on. They were built on that dream, you know, the dream of the white, white picket fence, raising a family, having your own home. Um, you know, that dream is, is really quickly evaporating or evaporating. So it's a really sad state of affairs. Okay, so according to a recent report between January and August of last year, investors, there's that ugly word again, were responsible for a quarter of, of uh, house purchases in, the, uh, purchases in the province. These uh, speculative investments are, of course, driving up prices. They're also creating major problems for the economy as a whole because the rising cost of a house or of housing has increased the amount of a private debt held by individuals. While list interest rates have remained low, this debt has been sustainable. Possibility of hikes now threatens to bring Canada's housing market crashing down. So a disaster waiting to happen. The Bank of Canada is warning that a frenzy of real estate investment combined with impossibly high levels of household debt could destabilize the economy as rates start to rise. The central bank's deputy governor, Paul Boudreau, suggests that a reckoning is fast approaching. As the Bank of Canada now plans to increase interest rates, Boudreaux warns of that. It's too late now. It's um, They've already raised the interest rates and they're talking about raising them even higher. But keep in mind that this article was written back in January, January 6th of this year. And then the, the last month, the Bank of Canada did decide to raise the interest rates to kind of combat the soaring housing prices, and it's helped a little bit, but also to combat with inflation, which seems to be running away right now. We'll continue on here. A key concern here is that financially stretched households have little breathing room to absorb any disruption to their income. A job loss could force many to, to drastically cut their spending to keep servicing their debt. Now, this is the sad reality. So these people are spending millions of dollars on these homes and they can't even, uh, um, they can't afford to, you know, uh, to put furniture in them, to furnish them, okay? Because the mortgage payments are so high at a low interest rate that they only have money for their mortgage payments. Now, again, if they, once their mortgage uh, has expired and they have to renew, um, that home might not be a, a possibility for them. They might have to back out and sell or or try to sell it. Uh, and if they're in that situation where the housing market has, has popped, well, they're, they're, you know, in some cases, people might even have to walk away, which is uh, which is really, really bad, which, which was the case in back in 2008 when, uh, again, when that whole collapse happened a lot of people were kicked out of their homes and or some just had to walk away from it because they could not afford the payments under the new mortgage rates so that is the reality that, is, that uh, could come and of course this article goes on uh, to talk about how this whole scheme is about profits profit driven and uh, housing nowadays has become more of an investment than it is um, for what is what it was intended to be used for for living it's, uh, it's not for living anymore. And again, I'll get into more uh, more articles about that in um, later on in the podcast. So in February, a study of the world's least affordable housing markets, now, now get this, guys, showed how Canada's speculative bubble has made Toronto and Vancouver one of the world's front runners when it comes to unaffordable housing. Now, using a scale in which a rating of over 
5.1 is severely unaffordable. Toronto with a score of 8.6 beat out London and San Francisco. 8.6 is, I mean, if, if 5.1 is severely unaffordable, I mean, 8.6, geez, there's going to be a lot of uh, empty apartment buildings and condos. Now, Vancouver. Now, get this. Vancouver is at a staggering 11.9. 11.9. And is entirely off the chart. The U.S. Federal Reserve's exuberance index has shown that, as one media report puts it, Canadian home prices have been in bubble territory for six years without correction. And they're right. We could have fixed this, you know, we could have fixed this during the housing bubble in the States, but we chose not to. We we let it, you know, we let it get out of control. And now we're in the same position as the Americans were back in 2008. And it might be severely more worse here. Uh, or it might be the same. It doesn't really matter. There's going to be a lot of uh, pain, a lot of misery and pain regardless. Okay, so let me move on here. All right, so according to a Toronto Lifestyle magazine, the city has more construction cranes than any city in North America with roughly two-thirds of them working on condos. This construction represents an astonishing market failure. A staggering 65,000 condo units in the city are thought to be presently unoccupied, serving no other purpose than speculative investment. So a lot of these properties are rental. Some are... Um, Airbnbs, there, you know, like back in the day, you know, you bought a condo, you lived in it. That was your home base. That was where you lived. But nowadays, it's it's not really the case. Again, because the money is so cheap, um, savings accounts are non-existent. So people have to find a way to, to to try to get a return on their investment. So real estate, for now, is the, is the is the best choice. Now, this article continues to talk about how. People need to mobilize, and I totally agree, but the numbers have to be really high in order for um, for anything to get done. Now, case in point, Queen's Park, which is our parliament building here in Ontario. Population of Ontario, I, I can't remember where it's at exactly, but we got millions of people here. So let's say 40%. Hypothetically, let's say 40%, which is, we'll just throw a number out there. Let's say there's a million people at Queen's Park. A million people at Queen's Park would definitely send shivers down the spines um, of these politicians. And some people even say that they don't have spines. But anyways, it would really send a message and the fear of God into these people. And I guarantee you things will get done. Okay, but this is what it... I mean, it's got to take that. There's got to be this mass mobilization in order for things to be changed. Now, of course, myself, Robert, and a lot of the Yellow Vesters, we've been talking about direct democracy where politicians have become obsolete and it's really time for the people to step up and start making the decisions through referendums. Let me continue on here. All right, so I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast how, you know, you know, I didn't really mention it, but how the 2008 collapse is still fresh in our minds. But it seems like a lot of people have forgotten it. And I, and I get it. People want to forget the negative. But it's not really the right approach to take. 
you always have to remember the bad and, and try not to repeat it. But again, when you have a boom bust cycle under this economic system, whatever you want to call it, this is how a few people make a lot of money. So let's read the another article out of the Washington Examiner. And this, I believe, was written by Stephen Moore. The title is Beware the Popping of the Housing Bubble. Starts off by saying, Washington never learns. Never. Politicians are like collective Alzheimer's disease patients. They have no short-term memories. Does anyone remember 2008? It was only 14 years ago. Then America suffered through one of the most significant and most painful financial crises in our nation's history and the worst losses since the crash of 1929. Millions of people lost their jobs, hundreds of thousands defaulted on their mortgage and lost their homes. Trillions of dollars of lifetime savings and wealth evaporated central billion dollar banks and investment houses that were thought to be invincible were swept away like a straw huts in the face of a tsunami. The plumidity um, resulted from government policies that uh, intentionally inflated a housing bubble year after year. You saw the bursting of the bubble coming. When it popped, the carnage was everywhere and fell from coast to coast. Now, how can they not see this? You know, how can they not see... When you go into a neighborhood and, and you know, a house is, you know, five to six times more than it really should be. I, I don't understand how people cannot see this. And there were a lot of, you know, economists that did see this and uh, non-economists that, that seen this. I remember Gerald Salente was talking about this and he foreseen this happening and he was right. Uh, but I think it's, a, it's really a no-brainer because, again, if you go back through history, this is a normal, normal occurrence in capitalism. Or whatever you want to call it okay let's continue on here now that there are many of the same flashing signs of uh, housing bubble and again no one is paying attention a well-respected housing affordability index fell last month to near to the near lowest level ever as home prices surged mortgage interest rates now exceed 5.2 percent and up from 3.6 percent just two years ago in some markets, rates are nearing 6%, and the Fed is raising rates again, uh, as it should. But this is too, this is too will likely further inflate mortgage rates. The average mortgage payment is now 1800 bucks a month, 70% higher than before COVID-19 hit. Many people live paycheck to paycheck and are already financially squeezed due to prices rising faster than paychecks. The only other time home payments were as high as they are today was in 2007. Yes, on the eve of the great financial crisis. Now, just to talk about that great financial crisis, uh, a lot of the speculators, a lot of the banks, a lot of the mortgage companies, a lot of the real estate companies, I mean, they were not punished. Sure, they took some of them you know, to the proceedings in, in Congress, for me, that was just, uh, you know, it was just lip service as far as I'm concerned. And the worst part was, is that the bankers uh, essentially got, um, they got bailed out by taxpayers' money in the tunes of trillions of, of dollars. They First, they say it was billions, but it turned out to be more than billions. It was actually trillions of dollars. And the banks basically, uh, I think it was Paulson, 
uh, I don't know what capacity he was at, at the time, but he was the guy that you know basically told Congress that if you don't bail us out, that you're going to have an economic, um, you know, an economic disaster. But he was more worried about the banks basically defaulting and basically going, you know, just being dissolved. And in actuality, that's what should have really happened, that those banks should have went under. And this would have been the price that they paid for being so corrupt and so greedy. But of course, the opposite happened, and the politicians basically bailed out the bankers, and the people suffered like they always do. Okay? Now, let's go to the next article. This is out of Strange Sounds. And we're talking about, you know, how... Nowadays, housing is, is used as an investment thing. And there's speculators. Well, we're going to talk about a few of these speculators in this article here. This was back in July 15th, 2021. I'm not sure who wrote it. Uh, the title is, This is How Big Corps Destroy the American Dream. BlackRock is buying up U.S. homes like no tomorrow. Now, it's not only BlackRock. There's other investment companies that are doing the same thing. Now, I'll get into this. And this is where it's headed, okay? So it starts off by saying, home ownership has long been considered an important tool for building financial security and wealth. But it's becoming more difficult for Americans to achieve. Younger generations are less likely to own a home than those from older generations. With millennials' home ownership rate 8% lower than that of Generation X and baby, and baby boomers at the same time. If the rates had remained steady, about 3.4 million more people would own homes in the U.S. today. But instead, younger adults are increasingly choosing to either rent or live with their parents. There are a number of reasons why Home ownership has become less attainable than it was decades ago, from rising debt in younger generations to increased cost of living. A report by the Urban Institute found half those aged 18 to 34 were spending upward of 30% of their income on rent, 30%, making them rent burden. Meanwhile, median housing prices increased 20% in the last two years, pricing some out of the market. However, the shift is not all happenstance. So, you know, in some cases, it's better to buy a home. The problem is, is that the mortgage companies won't approve you because of what happened back in 2008. Because, you know, the mortgage, because the rates are so low, the mortgage payments are low. So this way it's cheaper to actually, uh, to buy a house as opposed to renting. And it really shouldn't be that way. But anyways, let's continue on. In the first quarter of 2021, 15% of U.S. homes were purchased by corporate investors. Now, families looking to achieve their American dream, while they're competing with middle-class Americans for their homes, the average American has virtually no chance of winning a home over an investment firm, which may pay 20% to 50% over asking price in cash, sometimes scooping up entire neighborhoods at once so they can turn them into rentals wow and this has happened you can research it there are instances where blackrock and i believe vanguard have been going into neighborhoods and they're just buying up all the real estate bill gates is buying up a whole bunch of farmland hectares of farmland 
you know, again, we're just um, capitalizing on everything. There's a few people that are capitalizing and basically monopolizing, um, you know, home ownership and, um, and land. I mean, it's really turning into a, a nightmare, possibly. Again, um, like the, the other article mentioned, there's got to be mass social or mass mobilization. And right now we're not getting that because, uh, you know, both countries are so divided. Canada and America are so divided. So BlackRock is buying up U.S. houses. BlackRock is one of number of companies mentioned by the Wall Street Journal in a recent expose. Yield-chasing investors are snapping up single-family homes, competing with ordinary Americans and driving up prices. They warned, the question is, why would institutional investors and BlackRock which man manages assets worth $5. trillion, be interested in overpaying for, for modest single-family homes. And, and it's simple. They, they want us to return back to the surf, you know, the, med the, the medieval times where basically you were just the slave. You're an absolute slave. And this is where it's uh, headed. Now, I'm going to mention something about China. China is actually building cities. They call them ghost cities. So they're taking up natural resources, taking up valuable land and they're just putting in these massive cities that can hold up to like millions of people <laughs> and there's actually an investment company same as blackrock in china that actually went bankrupt so hopefully the same can be said same can be said about blackrock and vanguard hopefully they do go bankrupt all right let's continue on uh to understand the answer you must look at the blackrock's partners now this is very interesting and this is a an institute that a lot of people are talking about and are fearing for good reasons uh blackrock's partners which include the world economic forum and their extreme political and financial clout in a twitter thread posted by user cultural husbandry it's noted let's read the let's read this tweet because it's, it's he's got some excellent insight uh, this is warfare. Make no doubt about it. Lloyd's Bank in London is doing it, as is every great financial institute across the world. This must be stopped. It's a greater threat than the slow creep of communism, BLM, or anything else you can think of combined. It's a death stroke. Continues to say in another tweet that BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street control $20 trillion worth of assets. BlackRock alone has $10 billion a year surplus. That means with 5 to 20% down, they can get mortgages on 130 and 170K homes every year. Uh, or they can outright buy 30,000 homes per year, just BlackRock alone. So if the average American is pushed out of the housing market, most of the available housing is owned by investment groups and corporations, you become beholden to them as your landlord. This fulfills part of the Great Reset's new normal dictum, part where you will own nothing and be happy. This is a famous line by uh, Schwab, I, I believe his name. This isn't a conspiracy theory. It's part of the World Economic Forum's Agenda 2030. The unstated implication is that the world's resources will be owned and controlled by the technocratic elite and you'll have to pay for the temporary use of absolutely everything. Nothing will actually belong to you, including your home. All items and resources are to be used by the collective. Well, actually, well, actual ownership is restricted to upper 
stratum of social class, the wealth transfer has already begun. First, BlackRock has no rivals on the market. New York Times and the majority of other legacy media are largely owned by BlackRock. Now, now not, not only do they own property, but they own media companies. Um, and the Vanguard Group, which is another investment company mentioned in that tweet, the two largest asset management firms in the world, which also control Big Pharma, and it doesn't end there. So they're just monopolizing everything. And this is the problem with capitalism. It starts off as you know free markets, the mom and pop stores. We've seen during COVID where the mom and pop stores went bankrupt and the corporations started taking over. And now it seems like everything that you have in your possession will, will no longer be yours. And it gets even more scarier. You know, they talk about the digital ID system. And that's a disaster uh, really waiting to happen. So, so again, look out for this housing bubble. It might happen this year. It might happen next year. But it is inevitable. But, again, we never learn from it. But, again, there's certain people that don't want to learn from it because this is where they make their money. And they, they like these cycles. For the majority of us, it doesn't work. But for a few, it does. So, um, And, you know, it's something that people need to, uh, again, they need to start mobilizing and getting active again guys this is not about left versus right um if you know about this uh, guy his name is uh, chris smalls i believe he's the one that started the amazon union and organized um, a few amazon warehouses in new york he actually even in front of congress even told congress that this is not a left versus right uh, this is class warfare, basically. He's never said class warfare, but um, it is class warfare. So let's get up. Let's support the Yellow Vest. And let's start mobilizing. And let's start changing the future so that our children or the children in you know the future generations to come are going to live on a more safer and happier planet. So anyways, guys, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast Again, guys, if you guys can, please check out our videos on Rumble, YouTube, and on Anchor. And please share them. Make comments. Until next time, guys, take care.